Hello, everyone. Welcome to High Vibes and a Mic. We are your hosts, Sylvia Madden and Veronique Ananter, moms in our 40s and 50s with lots of great spiritual insights and funny stories to light up your day. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a very special guest to celebrate our 50th episode. Her name is Jane Martin. She's my spiritual mentor. She's also a very talented artist, a mother of two, a businesswoman, and she also lived in the Rajneesh commune back in the 80s. If you watched Wild Wild Country on Netflix, you know what I'm talking about. We are very excited to have her in our show, and we hope you enjoy it too. Now, let's get started. All right, Jane. So uh, tell us, how was your experience at that communion up in Oregon? Can you tell us? Yeah, so um, how I got there is a very long story. Do you want me to just tell you about what it was like being there? Uh, no, actually, how you end, ended up there. Yeah. Let's start from there. Like, how, what made you go there? Yeah. And so what I, age? What age? I was, oh, yeah. I was raised Catholic, and mm -hmm. I was the most... I'm going to say I was the holiest kid at school. <laughs> I built altars in my backyard. I was like, I went to church bass every day. I was oh. super religious. And I was always trying to find answers through Catholicism. And I would stay after school to talk about catechism and things like that. And at a certain age, I kept thinking, you know what? I don't think I'm getting the answers through this, not to say Catholicism didn't have answers, but through the people that I was in contact with at my church and my school. And so I started looking into other things and my, I had an older brother and he would take me to this bookstore in LA called the Bodhi Tree that was one of those bookstores that had a plethora of spiritual books. And I remember I read this book called Autobiography of a Yogi. Have you guys heard of that mm -hmm. book before? No. no. It's no. the, it's what would be called the starter book for Westerners to understand Indian philosophy. It's mm -hmm. a book written by Yogananda, who was like the first Indian guru to come to the States. I think he came in like the twenties possibly. Anyway, mm -hmm. I, so I was really into that, but my brother was looking at these books by Rajneesh and he would show me these Rajneesh books. And I'm like, Oh, that guy is way too scary for me. That's, <laughs> he had this piercing gaze and it, I, the photos of him were beautiful and it was sort of like mesmerizing, but they had all the people were doing what's called Darshan which is mm -hmm. like a certain kind of meeting where people would sit with the master and they'd be like dancing and the women didn't shave under their arms. And I thought, oh my God, that's just all too much for me. <laughs> I'm just this, this kid. And then it, I started to get into my, and I would sort of hear about Rajneesh and I was like, no, 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 like pushing it away. And then 
when I was in my early 20s, I felt like, you know, it was the 80s, the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, lots and lots of drugs, <laughs> lots and lots of, of yeah. uh, disco, staying up till six in the morning and <laughs> pretty much a pretty debauched lifestyle and I thought you, you know fun. I I have this <laughs> I had a lot of fun but I was feeling like this is not what I'm looking for I want something more meaningful for me and so I started going towards uh participating at like what was a local center in Los Angeles mm -hmm. and eventually Long story short, I became a disciple of Rajneesh. And then he started, a, they started a program. Now, what had happened was Rajneesh had a big commune in India. And then he decided, there's a lot of reasons, but he moved to Oregon. Mm -hmm. It was a big controversial move. Mm -hmm. But the idea was they were going to build this like utopian city for 10,000 people, and it would have all of this innovation, which it did, um, you know, all like organic plant-based farming and recycling and innovation in terms of how the houses were built. And it would be this community of like-minded people who are all on a spiritual quest. And it was very idealistic. And all the sannyasins, we wanted to go there. We wanted to live there. But in the beginning, it was only by invitation. Mm -hmm. So some of the old timers were there doing the initial setup and they endured some real hardships. Pioneer, I mean, this place is out in the boonies. It's in central <laughs> Oregon, high desert. It's really far and it's thousands, thousands of acres. It's massive. And so- well, but, but how did he, but just how did he buy that land? Or was he bought? How was how so, did he acquire that? All of the sannyasi, all of the disciples of Rajneesh were very successful people. Oh, they Rajneesh. were all like advanced degree people, people who had been studying therapy, lawyers, people who were at the top, top, top of their game. Mm -hmm. Who just who were looking for something more in their lives, who felt that achievement and all that they had wasn't enough. They wanted more. Now, I mean, this is in the greater context of the late 60s, the 70s. You know, the Beatles went to India to find enlightenment. A lot of yeah. people were, <laughs> were doing that. And a lot of these people had been living in India with Rajneesh. The other way they made money oh. was in selling those books. The books I talked about from the Bodhi Tree, that was a very lucrative business. And they had a big publishing uh, business in Pune, India, where they made the videotapes. Um, there's videos of him and CDs and books. It was extremely popular. And then all around the world were individual centers they were called so you know if you mm, went okay. to berlin you could go visit mm -hmm. the rajneesh center there and a lot of them had thriving businesses a lot of them had restaurants vegetarian restaurants discos 
all discos. Oh yeah, they were into dancing. They were really okay. into dancing. This is not. This is not a like puritanical oh. uh, tradition <laughs> by any. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how I, if those were all just self-supporting, but a lot of people contributed money, um, and that was also part of it. So people would mm. contribute, would pay. They had like a lot of therapy groups there. And so people would pay. It would be like what you would call like spiritual tourism. You know how everybody goes on these big, long yoga retreats now? Yeah. Yeah. It was that, but to go to India and meditate with the guru and mm-hmm. and uh, all that. Now, I said I was young and I was nervous about going to India by myself. And so it, di- it did not happen that way for me. What happened instead was that the commune created a program for young people like myself who couldn't pay to go to go and be the workforce, the the labor force. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I went. It was called, what was it? I can't remember what the name of that particular program was. But what it meant was I didn't have full residency to live there. I was sort of on a, like a scholarship program, so (laughs) to speak. And so I could, I would go, I, you don't get paid for the work that you do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it was interesting. I, you know, got there and was living in a tent. It was middle of winter, very cold. Yeah. Very, very cold. I remember I had um, like six or seven sleeping bags on top of me. I was so cold. And that, and I was sharing the tent with a, with a guy who was also, I mean, you just got put with whoever what? else was there. Uh. And yeah. And so uh, we would get up. We had to be at work by six o'clock or six 30. So you get mm-hmm. up at like four 30 and you go to a big trailer that had like a bunch of showers and a bunch of bathrooms. But, the, but all of the people who were living in tents were lining up sort of like Yosemite in the middle of July or something, right? <laughs> Everybody's standing there with their toothbrush, but we were all shivering. What in the oh cold, the winter freezing? Oh. Yeah. And so oh. then we then we would take the bus to our place of work. Now, our place of work was called our place of worship. And the whole idea was that this is kind of the way that that Rajneesh had described it, that some people had been going there to meditate and to go inward, but that at a certain point, you had to bring your meditation practice into your everyday, all day long experience so that Mm. everything that you're doing is with a certain level of mindfulness. And under that premise, you would say that you were going to worship. Now, Mm -hmm. I think in the long term, there were also some tax benefits for him and looking at it that way. (laughs) (laughs) But that's Uh what we would do. And and then we would, um, the, the, the fun part was we would break for tea at around 10 and everybody have, we'd have chai 
or some treats that someone would make. There was always a woman called the tea ma, and she would be responsible for setting up these big stations. Because I I was out in the construction area, uh, my first assignment, and uh, we'd have tea, and then we'd have lunch. Um, that we'd have lunch at this big cafeteria. I think I ate enough sprouted sunflower seeds to last me a lifetime. We, the sunflower seeds were grown there and tofu. And mm. It was very, very vegetarian. Yeah. And then, um, and then this was the interesting part was that after lunch, we would all go and stand in line on the roads and we would get in these long lines and in the beginning, everybody was like freezing and we'd just be really quiet. We'd have our hands <laughs> like this. And then Rajneesh would drive by in one of his many, many, many Rolls Royces. And he would drive <laughs> by at like five miles per hour. And then we would just be really excited. Oh. <laughs> wow. And then after a while, as the years went by, it became much more of a thing where people would bring musical instruments and there would be like tambourines and dancing. <laughs> but it was still, you know, you're waiting for him to drive by and he'd creep along and he would, he was driving, but he would be waving at everybody and, like and acknowledging them. Yeah. yeah. And then he would zoom off. He loved to like drive off, like after wow. he got past where everybody was and really speed on the roads. <laughs> so, did you live there where you work and everything when you were in other world? Did you live yeah. around there? Yeah, I no, it, we lived him. in the commune. At oh, but first, him because he's passing by. Oh, Saturday he morning. yes, he, he lived there too. He had a, he had a place. His place was called Lao Tzu. It was in a valley on the property, and uh, in a so, mansion. Yes, he had his own. Well, it was <laughs> it was not a mansion actually, okay. <laughs> but it was. Um, I would say it was, you know, definitely more palatial mm -hmm. than anybody else, but it wasn't a mansion. So I don't want to, to, mm -hmm. you know, exaggerate that part of it. But, um, and then we would go back to working and wait till dinner time, and we would work till 8 30 at night. And then so, we'd go back, wow. to, go back to bed, <clears throat> go to bed, and then uh, get up and start over again. And that was, that was the hours in the beginning for me. There were different, Five, uh, seven different people had different experiences. Was that every me. day, including weekends? Seven days a week. Seven days? No, no. We didn't have traditional holidays. We had four um, holidays a year that were around events in Rajneesh's life, like mm. his birthday mm. or the day that he, I can't even remember what they all are now. I'm such a bad uh, <laughs> It's okay, I think. It's been a long time. Bad disciple. Um, and then we would have these festivals. Disciple. And the festivals were really fun because, I mean, it's literally thousands of people from around the world would come. So they'd have, you know, like 10,000 people would come for the summer festival. Wow. And that was always really 10, lots 000. of fun because you, you would wind up knowing all these people from all around mm -hmm. the world. And uh, it was really very fun. It was great. <laughs> and it was like uh, a type of party, you know, like have fun, let's do some <laughs> drugs, use some drugs. No, no drugs. No drugs. No drugs. 
Trucks? There was no, no, no drugs. That was, okay. No, That's no, no, good. no drugs. That was that was what we were all getting away from. I mean, the, mm, okay, the okay. only substance we got was we would get a, a beer card that was like a punch <laughs> card and we could have a beer, one mm. beer a night. But then some people didn't mm-hmm. drink. Now I was 21, so I wanted to take advantage of it. I'd go around and ask people to give me their beer cards so <laughs> I could have yes. two beers a <laughs> night. <laughs> but no, there wasn't drugs. We you know, as time went on and more and more infrastructure was built, mm-hmm. we eventually had, you know, like the main part of the town, we had a whole bunch of things like a pizza parlor and oh. a coffee shop and restaurants. And then we had a discotheque that was wow. very fun. But, um, you know, that it might be that somebody might get a present from their family of a bottle of amaretto or something, you know, <laughs> but it wasn't uh, uh, heavy drinking and drugs was not part of it. But a lot of smoking cigarettes. That's what I was going to ask. I like yeah, cigarettes. That's... OK, well, yeah, of course. Right. Oh, people. <laughs> the Europeans, man, I used to be. Yeah. I was always like amazed <laughs> at how they they go out in the freezing cold freezing cold smoke. and they'd be rolling those cigarettes I and then this. i started to go oh i want to smoke because if you smoke you could take a smoke break and uh-huh. i found myself <laughs> wanting to smoke because then i'd have an excuse to go have a break yeah you know, go oh out my and talk God. to my buddies and all that and like get away from my work but yeah so all yeah. that um the the pizza parlor the disco everything the disciple, you build all of this for free. Yes. So I, so literally yeah. I was, when I got there, my first job was to be um, what they called a, a ma. We would call the men were called swamis and the women were called ma's. And mm-hmm. I was a tool ma. I was an assistant and I worked in this tool shed. And it was at this place where we were building, it was called the factory. And the factory was just like an open steel frame structure. It was really like a two-story, like metal roof structure, really big with a Mm -hmm. concrete pad. I mean, it was enormous. And then what we were doing was sort of creating an assembly line for building walls. And then the walls would be transported over to where we were building these townhouses. And so then they were being built modularly so that you could put these walls together and create these boxes and then create and it became like i think it was like eight bedrooms to a townhouse with a kitchenette Mm. and because you didn't need a full kitchen because we all ate in what was like a commissary style facility Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and with bathrooms for enough people so i i was one of the, I was assisting these other women who were in charge of handing out the tools to people. And so I got there and the first woman I got there, she was freaked out and she started having like a nervous breakdown. Why? Uh, it, well, because she didn't know what she was doing. It oh. was over 300 people were working at this uh, factory and the person who was running the tool shed was in charge of making sure 
where every tool was at every moment. So I don't know if you've ever worked on a construction site, but um, we're talking about unskilled labor. I mean, that there were plenty yeah. of really, really talented carpenters and construction people, but there were also just a bunch of people like me who were like, here, here's a hammer, go, you know, do something. And, and it was intense. It was a lot of energy. It was, it mm. was like a beehive. It was crazy. So, so she left and another young woman came and this young woman was younger than me, but she had lived in India and she was kind of, I think she'd definitely be on Instagram now. If <laughs> she, was, she was a really hot girl and she was like really, you know, cool chick. And she got sick and left because she got oh. so overwhelmed by it. And so at a oh. certain point, I was left on my own. And it was interesting because I didn't know what I was doing, but <laughs> I somehow decided to kind of own my certainty about it. And after a while, I was teaching people how to use nail guns. And I was <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> kind of like multitasking and you know and wow. uh became a builder so, then i was gonna yeah. say project, project manager <laughs> the one thing i don't understand i don't understand though if you're spending the whole day like this working when are you doing your program you know about meditation or whatever you know you were looking for no, no because we were not no that was the whole thing veronique was we were not meditating separately we were not doing a program of study separately mm -hmm. we we had a scholarship to meditate in work <laughs> this is the best scam ever yeah yeah well you meditate on the other hand on the other hand you work on the other free? hand i i i i'm not going to argue that it wasn't a scam but i will say from <laughs> my point of view as yeah. a 20 year old what one-year-old woman at the time mm -hmm. that I got to live in a really cool place. I mean, I was working that many hours a day myself as a waitress mm -hmm. and, and trying to live in LA and having to have a car and in, uh, car insurance and mm -hmm. all the struggles, the struggles of life. Mm -hmm. And then being out around people that I didn't enjoy being around, being around a lot of energy of, you know, unwanted, unwanted male energy. And I felt myself like taking, you know, drinking too much. Like I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying my experience. Mm -hmm. Now I'm in a place where I tell you, we would get on the bus. We'd all be hugging each other. We just oh. loved being together. <laughs> we had so much fun, you know, in a lot of ways. And I got to live in, a place that was really beautiful and have these brand new experiences. Mm -hmm. So I, I, so at the beginning, I really, really enjoyed it and working that much. I already worked seven days a week. It didn't mm. change. It didn't change that part of my life. Okay. So for you, it wasn't a big, it wasn't, you didn't feel like you were taking advantage. You were being taken advantage of. No, not for no. me. And because I didn't I didn't have to pay anything to be there. The, okay. If people who paid, they would go to classes that were taught that there was this other facility called the university. And mm -hmm. that was a lot of 
Europeans, a lot of Germans would come over to study with um, specific teachers who mm-hmm. knew a lot of, you guys know, like inner child work and things like mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it. Is yeah. That, yeah. That was a big a thing in the seventies. What? Is that a program also? Is it a yeah, it's, studies? it's just a, it's just a, um, a type of, I don't even know how I would describe it because I am not a psychologist. Thank you for listening today. May your journey towards spiritual fulfillment never end. Until next time, keep learning, growing, and exploring. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest.